Welcome to the Vell Institute podcast. I'm your humble servant and host, Terry Weaver. Our mission for this podcast is to bring you stories about veterans, entrepreneurs, and leaders who are doing fascinating things with their lives. Our hope is to inspire you because we believe that inspired individuals will change lives, both theirs and others for the good. Bell Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we're asking for your support. There are two ways to do that. One, by getting involved with our mission, and two, by contributing financially. Please visit vellinstitute.org. That's V-E-L institute.org to help us make an impact. Well, welcome to the Vell Podcast. I'm so excited about our guests today, Andy and Elizabeth Griever. They are the founders of Everson Cooper, a real estate company here in the Woodlands, Texas, that invests in real estate properties, flips them, uh, does all kinds of neat stuff in real estate. But also, they, they're doing a lot of neat stuff in the community, which you'll learn about. Andy is currently raising money for our local YMCA. He actually shares a story about uh, going to the YMCA when he was a young man and learning so much. And Elizabeth, his wife, is raising money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS. She has been nominated as the Woman of the Year, and rightly so, because she does a ton in our community. Guys, this is a great lesson on what entrepreneurs can do with their profits and how they can make a significant impact, not only in business, but in their community. So excited to have Andy and Elizabeth Griever on our podcast. I hope you learn a ton from this. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome, guys. Appreciate you guys coming on the podcast. Andy and Elizabeth, how you doing? Good, Terry. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We appreciate you. Yeah. Well, I want to start off by um, sharing something that I heard about you guys. And it was at uh, a meeting meeting that we both attend and... I heard you guys referred to as a power couple, and I thought that was unique. And, and the more and more I thought about it, you know, I get to get, watch you guys work kind of together and and interact. And you guys do you guys do have some really good synergy. So we'll get into that. But congrats on that. Thank you. Yeah, well, thanks. We appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, we like working together. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It really is. Uh, who knew that when? So yeah, when we kind of started this journey, um, I mean, several years ago now at this point, we never really worked together. I mean, obviously being married and, 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 and dating, you know, for a number of years before that, we had to figure out how to be a team. But then when you put in business into the mix, it can really change some things. But it's been pretty cool to realize how we actually do work together business wise too. It's been a very nice surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when you go from from being married to actually doing business together, I mean, you kind of do business together married, but when you add professional work to that, mm-hmm. you're kind of together all in all the time. Yeah. yeah. So I'd like to talk about some of the challenges. We'll get into those. But uh, let me open up with a really serious question for you guys. And, and uh, you're not expecting this, but it's a serious question. Um, what was your favorite cartoon as a kid? <laughs> Oh, oh man, gosh. favorite cartoon. A like, couple, actually. A couple come to mind. Favorite. So, let's start with your favorite. So, okay, so the first one that comes to mind uh, right off the bat is the Teenage Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And so that was prior to, you know, all the, you know, live action movies and everything. We're talking like 1991, 92. Uh, yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the Turtles. Yep. Yeah. I also liked the Turtles, but I have to say that I didn't really get into cartoons when I was a kid. 
I was more into the like family TV shows, so mm-hmm. the Full House and the Family Matters and Step by Step, which I may or may not still watch on Hulu. We, we, won't, <laughs> we won't go there, but those are my those are my shows as a kid. That's what I loved. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and as a thirty-something-year-old, yeah. fine. Yeah. Okay, fav- I gotta ask, man. I gotta ask. Favorite Ninja Turtle. Oh man, um, <clears throat> I know that's a tough question. So. I always get their ages mixed up. So, so of course, I, I have, I've come from a family of, of three brothers, so I'm the youngest of three. So I think it was... Raphael was one of the younger ones, and he was kind of a rebel. Yeah. Uh, so he kind of, like, did things his own way. Not that I was a super rebel, but I saw what my brothers would do, and I'd be like, no, nah, I'm going to do something different. Uh, so I identified a little bit with Raphael. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Elizabeth? Um, I always liked Michelangelo or Don, Donatello. Yeah. I don't okay. know. I don't know why. Maybe it was because of their names, but I just always liked them. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to watch some Ninja Turtles. I know. I'm going to have to. That was a tough question. Yeah. I, I had to make sure I had my facts right. That's yeah. right. I'm trying to recall, you know, when I was like seven years old watching this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about a little less serious things. Um, but I want to talk about how you guys kind of first started off. Mm-hmm. You met each other and you were both teachers. And I think, you know, I think teachers are unique. You know, because they go into um, a work, if you will, mm-hmm. that that doesn't pay a lot. I mean, you're really, your heart has to be in teaching mm-hmm. if you're going to go in teaching, I would think. But I want to hear from you guys yeah. kind of why you chose teaching. and Yeah, so so I, I got into teaching first. And um, so I, my, my first job actually brought me here to Houston, to the Woodlands. So this area chose me. This is, that's where I got my first job. I graduated from University of Iowa in 2008. And... First job, the only job offer I got, I thought I was going to get tons of job offers because I had experience, you know, playing baseball and, and all this, and I got one job offer. So I'm glad that I took it. And uh, so it took me to this area. And I was actually, I was, had been teaching for uh, for two years before Elizabeth moved from North Carolina to become a teacher. But uh, shortly after I moved here in October of 2008, that's when we met. Uh, and then so, long story short, we ended up dating for uh, for a number of months, distance, actually a year and a half at distance, and then we made the leap, and Elizabeth started grad school at Texas A&M, uh, and then also started her teaching career. And it wasn't until she started her career, because she's an incredibly you know, career-focused, driven, uh, purposeful person. She didn't want to just move here for me. Mm-hmm. And I was on the same page. I said, look, I want you to have you know, your thing, some, the, the purpose that you wake up for every single day. And so it wasn't until that point that Elizabeth uh, got accepted to grad school and then got also a teaching job that she moved here in 2010. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, when we both had a passion for education, and Andy really wanted to be in the sports arena. Like, his his dream job was to be a head football coach at the University of Iowa. And so, you know, where else do you start a football career than in Texas? True. And um, for me, after we met and I saw the opportunity that's here, specifically in Montgomery County, I was like, I can't really deny mm-hmm. the opportunity to come out here and teach and and all the things that were going on. And, and so I, you know, I tried to I do what my dad always says and gather all the facts and then make a decision. So I applied to, to teach and in graduate, graduate school in North Carolina, where I'm from. And I did so out here as well. Cause then I felt like I was giving the universe an equal chance to show me where to go. Yeah. And uh, when I got into graduate school and a job out here, I was like, okay, like this is where I'm going to go. And yeah. here we are. So, um, 
you know, we we really did enjoy teaching for a long time, but I, I know Andy, Andy left before I did, but at the end of the day, it just got to a place where we weren't really finding joy in what we were doing any longer. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to be. And you, have to, you and, have to. And, and we also, I think, you know, you see teachers who have been teaching for a long, long time that don't have joy in it, and their classrooms aren't happy places to be, and they're not happy there, and, and nobody should live like that. You shouldn't mm-hmm. do a job that you that you don't love, and... I just, we just both felt like we weren't, we were not providing the same service to those students that we had previously been, and we knew it was time for us to, to go. So yeah, yeah. he left first, what, 2013, mm-hmm. and then I left in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great when we were in it, and for a number of years, we were incredibly passionate about it, and that's all we thought about, that's all we wanted to do, that's all that we could think about that we would ever do. Um, but you know, as you go along, and I think most people are like this, you know, you grow, you continue to grow, you continue to mature and you continue to find out things about yourselves. And we, last couple of years that we were teaching, we would have a lot of conversations of saying, you know, I I feel like we have more skills. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's not to disparage teaching as, as a profession by any means. It's an incredibly difficult profession, but we felt that we also had skills that were needed and that we wanted to apply in other areas outside of teaching, outside of education. Because it, it, it can be a very small bubble, um, you know, in the education world. And so we both took a leap. You know, I, I started in 2013, did that first, and then three years later, Elizabeth did that. And that's when we started Everson Cooper in, in 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. So I know it can be incredibly uh, scary to start a business and kind of move into the unknown because there's no guarantees but I want to talk about kind of the catalyst, what you guys were thinking, what you were doing when you decided to take this leap of faith and start your company. And uh, you you uh, you own a real estate investing company mm-hmm. called Everson Cooper. Um, so tell me about what the catalyst was, what you were thinking at the time, where you were. That, mm-hmm. that. So we always wanted to get involved in real estate investing. Both Andy and I have grandparents in their 90s managing their real estate portfolio. So Andy's grandfather's got uh, farmland and rental properties and my grandmother's got commercial building and rental properties. So it was something we always wanted to do. And when we bought our house, when we got married, we wanted to renovate it. And when we finally got an opportunity to do some renovations, I had a friend come over and and kind of help me because at that point I had no idea how to pick paint and do cabinets and all this kind of stuff. And so she came over and I told her that we wanted this to be a rental whenever we moved into another home. And she said, oh, you've got to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I immediately like ordered that book and read it in a couple days. And I was like, this is amazing. I don't know what this man's talking about, but I got to figure it out. So I handed the book off to Andy and every day at lunch after that, I was on YouTube and any, any article I could come up with, like anything I could find about how these people are getting involved in real estate investing. And about six months later, we ended up at a weekend class. And I was like, I can so do this. Like, I can do this. We can figure this out. So we decided to form an LLC because we knew whether I could make a business, a full-time business out of it or not, we at least wanted to start the path of, Mm -hmm. okay, we were going to have rentals one day. And so (laughs) we thought that our name of our company was going to be like, Griever Enterprises or something <laughs> dumb like that. And the lawyer actually that we were forming our LLC through said, you know, you really should maybe think about something else and not necessarily have your name in it and all this kind of stuff. So we literally sat there and like 
write, you know, writing out streets and grandparents' names and all these different things. And Andy actually came up with the Everson. So Ever is the last part of Griever, which is our married name. And San is the first part of Santangelo, which is my maiden name. And then Cooper, of course, is our 13-year-old chocolate lab <laughs> that we think the sun rises and sets on. So for us, the name means so much because we want our company to have an impact on our family and our community the way that our grandparents investing has had an impact on us. And so anyways, um, we formed that LLC and that summer when school got out, we like made business cards and a website. And I knew my friends were a part of a group called BNI. And at the time I had no idea what that meant, but I knew I could go and visit. And so I was just on a journey. I knew I needed to find a lawyer, a CPA, realtors, and title companies. Like mm. that's what I knew I needed to at least get things yeah. rolling. And so that was my mission at first. And I was just out and networking and doing all this stuff. And I came home every day and I was so happy and I was so like fulfilled and it was a very different from how I was coming home from school that previous year. And every day I'd be like, Andy, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to quit my job. And he'd be like, Oh, don't quit yet. You know, cause we were very comfortable on two salaries and we knew what to expect. And, um, we just, you just get comfortable with that. There's no other way to really describe it. And so one day I came home and I said, Andy, I'm going to quit my job. Today was awesome. And he was like, okay. I like, I mean, my whole body was like shaking. I was like, what are you talking about? Are you serious? Cause then all of a sudden, like it was real, right? Yes. <laughs> and, um, he said, you know what? If you decide to quit teaching, just don't tell me. This was like beginning of July. Mm -hmm. He said, just don't tell me. Um, I'll figure it out when you don't go back to school. And I was like, you're like, we don't make decisions like this. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I just, I'm going to freak out about the numbers, right? Like he's, he's the numbers guy in our business and I'm going to freak it out about the numbers and I just need you to just not tell me. Okay, great. So the cool thing about what he did for me that day was it allowed me to then reflect and pray and talk about quitting my teaching job without having to get approval. It became right? an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so I spent the next couple of weeks doing just those things. And Stacy Harris is actually a very integral part of me quitting my teaching job. Uh, I remember one day talking to her about it and she said, well, you know, like you, you go and you quit your job. It's going to be the best thing ever. And she's like, don't you call me until you quit your job. <laughs> like, okay. You know, I mean, I knew she was joking, but the, the encouragement and the, and the, and the almost permission, I guess, I don't know. It was just, very liberating. So one day I, I emailed my principal and I said, Hey, I'd like to meet with you because I wanted to do it in person and tell her what I was doing. And uh, a couple days later I went up to school and I had told one of my girlfriends what I was doing. Like nobody knew. Andy didn't know. Stacy didn't know. Nobody knew what I was doing. And I drove up to school that day and I'm bawling my eyes out. I'm freaking out. Like Wow. So scared, so nervous. I called my friend Kelly and I was like, I can't do this. And she was like, yes, you can. What are you talking about? And I, she's like, what's the worst that's going to happen? And I was like, Andy's going to divorce me. <laughs> like, I can't quit my job. And she's like, no, he's not. Stop it. You're ridiculous. And she's like, well, what's the best that's going to happen? And I was like, I'm going to get to do this job that I love. And, you know, because she could see how happy I was too. And Anyways, and she asked me where I was, where I was, and I said, well, I'm pulling in, into school, and, and the school I taught at was like 40 minutes from here, so, I mean, I had a hefty drive to get there, 
And she said, so obviously you want to do this. So go inside and quit your job and I'll see you at my B&I meeting this afternoon. <laughs> and so I did just that and, and I was very scared, but I was grateful. My principal was super supportive and very sweet. And it was actually funny. She said, can you go ahead and get online right now and, and quit so I can post your job? And again, it's one of those things where I was like put into a spot where like call, almost calling my bluff, right? Like you got to do this. Um, and she needed that just so that she could post it as quickly as possible, which I understood. But for me, then it allowed me not to leave and go second guess myself, right? Because I had I made it official in her office before I even left. Anyways, I ended up telling Andy that night what I did, and because I couldn't keep it from him, like we don't do life like that. We don't keep things like that from each other. And I just, anyways, and so I told him, and he kind of, he kind of like it was a just, surprise. He just put his head in his hands was like okay okay because you know right there i went into planning phase yeah i was like okay all right now i know that effectively half of our income that we you know, relied on we knew was, was coming was going to be gone in a month regardless of how the business was was going to to occur uh and so i started to go into planning phase of okay we don't want to burden the business to have to make revenue right off the top without getting some systems and processes and being able to make some mistakes. Because we'd been in situations, we'd been in situations before where you got new opportunities, but then you aren't allowed to make mistakes and you don't really feel like you're able to go and Can't bang your head freely. against the wall yeah. and you know, operate freely. Mm -hmm. And so I, I did go into planning mode at that point. I was looking through all our finances and saying, okay, look, if, the, if we don't make money in this business for the next six months or a year, what can we do? You know, what are those types of options? And and I think it really, like, worried Elizabeth that I was upset at her and I was disappointed in her decision. That certainly wasn't, wasn't it. It just was I wanted her to focus on, okay, you've got to go out there and you've got to grow the business and go to do this every single day. Because I, I, yeah, at that point I still had a, you know, career in oil and gas, and I, and I still do today. Um, and so that allowed Elizabeth to go focus on being herself, being joyful and being encouraging and really having 100% optimism and not having to, at the end of the day, worry about going back and looking at the checkbook and, you know, oh, we only got pennies and nickels left in the bank account. I said, look, let me worry about that. You're the one that's got to go, you know, out there and, and be the face of this company every single day. So that's, that's kind of really where it started right there. Gotcha. Yeah. So do you guys remember the moment that, you know, the catalyst for the business when it, when it clicked and you said, okay, we need to do this? Yeah, for me it was, so Elizabeth talked about this earlier, it was reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And so I have to give Elizabeth credit. She comes by, she, she's an entrepreneur naturally. Her, her, a, lot of the, a lot of her family are entrepreneurs. And I have, I have business owners and some entrepreneurial people in my family, but certainly not like Elizabeth does. And so she's been around her entire, entire life and it's really literally in her blood. Me, I don't come by it as naturally. And so when, you know, if you had asked me, Five years ago, seven years ago, about opening a business, I'm like, oh, that seems dumb. Um, you know, now of course, you know, we're in it. I love it. Um, but it was reading Rich Dad Poor Dad and seeing that that is ex exactly what he did. He grew up in, in a life. Robert Kiyosaki is the author. Grew up in a life where he was told, go get a job with good benefits, and someone else writes a check to you for the work that you do. And then he ultimately realized, like, hey man, I can I can go and create my own future. You know, I can bet on myself. I can, you know, try to get all the skills and the expertise that I that I need to go and create this. And that was really the turning point for me. Uh, and, 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 of course, then real estate was super fascinating because Elizabeth mentioned it before. I have grandparents that were successful and still are successful in real estate, and so did she. 
And so that was also just, uh, you know, I, I love I love being involved with real estate just in general. And so being able to do both at the same time, now that I actually have this interest in being an entrepreneur, interest in being a business owner, that was a catalyst for me, for sure. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that book changed everything for us. Wow. Yep. Man. Mm-hmm. So you'd recommend that to people who are considering um, stepping out? Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Because it because it's not, I mean, he is very focused on real estate, but I think that regardless it gets you thinking differently about what it means to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I think that's what helped Andy mm-hmm. was, was that mindset shift. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so much about the real estate. It was the mindset shift for me. I've, I guess to your point, I've always been in that entrepreneurial mm-hmm. mind. Um, but this kind of gave me the, the pathway to like, okay, this is how I can make real estate a business for yeah. us. So you guys mentioned earlier that you wanted to do something that would enable you to do good in the community. Mm-hmm. You said that earlier. So, and I know you guys do some good, cool stuff in the in the community. Tell tell me what you guys are passionate about right now. Well, and so that's also part of the name that okay. we created. And this is not to disparage any other businesses, but you see the signs, you know, Bob buys houses and things like that. And we wanted our company to be more than that. We knew it was going to be more than that. It's not just buying and selling real estate. We knew that we wanted to that, that our business is only a vehicle for the things that we want to do, and whoever is involved with our company, our employees, of what they ultimately then want to go do. It's it's a vehicle for them, <clears throat> and so when we named it Everson Cooper, we wanted it to be not obscure, but to say, look, we can do a lot of different things, and this name just singularly doesn't define what the company does. Makes sense. What we do, our Smart. actions is going to define what the company is. And so, yeah, we've been fortunate now. We've, we've been, been able to meet a lot of great people. Um, you know, Terry, obviously you're one of them and you, you are an amazing connector. Uh, so anyone who's listening to this podcast, um, you know, Terry, Terry Weaver is an amazing connector of people. So you're, you're doing, you're doing really good things and we're incredibly grateful that, that you are in our lives. Uh, so we've been really, really grateful and really fortunate to have met a lot of people. And so we started two things, two organizations. Elizabeth started an organization called Inspired Leaders. Uh, and I'll let her talk about that because she's really the driving force behind that. And then we also, around about this time last year, we decided to start a podcast. And the reason that we decided to start a podcast is because we're having all these amazing conversations. We, we, we're going to meet, we meet people and we want to learn from them. They've gone and done things before us. They've failed before us. They've been successful before us. They've seen a lot of the challenges that we know that we're going to face along the way. So rather than us just saying, well, we'll figure it out when we get there, like, hey, what did you do? You know, mm-hmm. what, what did you do when you faced this challenge? And so we, along the way, you know, we would go to coffee and, you know, buy a cup of coffee or over wine or, you know, at dinner, at the dinner table, you know, however we have these conversations. And after a while, we said, look, there's a lot of great stuff mm-hmm. in these conversations. And we're meeting a lot of generous people, too. You know, they're not telling us, well, it's, you know, $50 an hour for me to sit down with you. And they'll say, sure, yeah, man, let's, let's go have a conversation. And so that's kind of where the idea of the podcast came, is, like, we, we figured out that we're having a lot of these great conversations. And it's kind of selfish if we're the ones that learn from it, and then we never do anything with it outside of ourselves. And so we wanted to spread that goodness, spread, spread the stuff, you know, that, that we're learning. And, and, uh, if people listen to our podcasts and they're better for it and they're more equipped and they are inspired or they're pick up some tactic or strategy along the way. And that's, that's really kind of the goal of the podcast. It's been, it's been awesome so far. 
Yeah, it's cool. And it's the name of your company, Everson Cooper Podcast. Yeah, the Everson Cooper Podcast. Yeah. Yep. yep. Now, tell me, tell me about um, Inspired Leaders. So Inspired Leaders, <laughs> kind of along the same lines of, of the podcast, I spent a lot of time learning and meeting with people. And everybody's got a story and they've, and we've all been through struggles and ups and downs. And a lot of times when you see successful people, you think they never experienced mm-hmm. anything bad. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what you said today in your talk, Terry, like it, it appears like they just have it all made and nothing's going on. Nothing's wrong. Yeah. And it's just not true. And so I think it's really powerful to share those stories with people that are trying to build a business and a life for themselves and for their family. And so that's what Inspired Leaders is. We bring in leaders from the community that are willing to share their stories of grit, perseverance, and success mm-hmm. with a room full of people that are in there trying to build a business for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so it's really beautiful. It's a monthly event. It's free to attend. And we've got very gracious, wonderful speakers who are willing to come and talk to everybody and it's just been a really rewarding very beautiful thing that I feel like has taken on a life of its own Mm -hmm. like all we did was put the idea together but it's got an energy inside of it that like brings people there because I feel like I, I feel like it's a safe place for people to come and be and express hey I need help with this or hey what did you do when you had this problem or whatever and it, people really get real when they're talking mm-hmm. and are willing to share good and bad stories and so I just love that and I think it's very powerful because we all go through ups and downs and business is not always easy and life is certainly not always easy so it's nice when you're in a room full of people that are in it with you yeah. and you know that you're not alone. So that's well, where we are. I've been I've been on the podcast mm-hmm. and I've listened to the podcast and I've been to Inspired Leaders mm-hmm. and here's the deal. You guys make zero dollars from doing that stuff. Right. And you do it because it's a part of your mission. You yeah. want to help people. That's right. And 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 you're right. Um how important is col- uh collaboration? I mean um, this is a sure. neat neat deal because because you guys really collaborate well in the community. Thank How you. important is it? You can't be successful without it. Like, I'm a big believer that more is more. And we say the more the merrier all the time. Yeah. You know, rise and tide lifts all boats. Like, all those things. Like, we can't be successful on our own. And, like, even where our business is now, like, we're not doing that by ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have so much help in-house and out in the community to get to where we are and do what we're doing. And we would not be here without those people. You just can't go at it alone. Mm -hmm. And we live in the best community to be building a business. I mean, we just do. The people in this community Mm -hmm. want each other to be successful. They want to help. They want to encourage. They want everybody to grow. And it's the coolest thing. So, you know, you can't, you can't do it alone and you have to collaborate and, and, be vulnerable and just let people know when you need help mm-hmm. and 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 ask and ask for it and take it when you when you can get it and 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 then give that back when somebody else needs help. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys do a lot of good stuff in the community aside from that. So let's talk about that. You've been nominated for um, Leukemia and Lymphoma uh, Woman of the Year. Yes, sir. Yeah, LLS Woman of the Year. Yes. And and that's all about just raising money for cancer research. It's it's kind of a selfless deal and you've done something really smart. You you've brought a team of people together. So tell me why you're passionate about that. Oh man. So the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society it does this fundraiser. Part of their fundraisers every year is is man and woman of the year campaign in different cities all across the country. 
And the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society is a national charity. But the really cool thing about the chapter here is that the money that we raise here stays here. Hmm. And that's just part of because of the amazing community that we're in and all the great things that we have going on. So there are 10 doctors in Houston that have received $14 million in multi-year research grants for blood cancer research. Wow. And the cool thing about that is blood cancer research transcends into so many other types of cancers, including pancreatic cancer, which I lost my grandfather from, uh, stomach cancer, which I lost my aunt from, and then my dance teacher actually for years and years of my life, I died of lymphoma. Hmm. So to me, it's powerful that these people are really trying to find non-toxic treatments for people that are going through cancer. Um, but then the other really beautiful thing about what they do here is that they support families with copay assistance, travel accommodations, anything that these families need through grants um, when they're going through cancer treatment. So last year, there were 238 local people that got $1.2 million worth of copay assistance. Just copay assistance alone. That's not even any of the other things that they do for these people. So it's really beautiful how their, their mission is so much about supporting people that are going through this really tough time in their life um, financially and research-wise and resources-wise. Um, they just are very abundant mindset. They're very focused on the beautiful things that can come out of what we're doing and not like scarcity mindset of, you know, oh, people are dying. Like, no, we want to help people live and we want to focus on their life that they're living and make that easier for them. And so for me, the local impact that we have by raising this money was like everything and getting we've had the opportunity to meet some of the doctors that are doing this research we've met some of the families that have been impacted by the grants that i mentioned and so it's very powerful and again that goes back to we live in the best community to be doing life in and to be a part of being able to support these families is tremendous so it's an honor i firmly believe that the person who you are is the person or people you'll attract so I think the people that are surrounding themselves around you, um, that, that's a testament of your character. So I uh, applaud you guys. I appreciate and that's that. incredible. That, that's you. incredible what you're doing. And Andy, huh? you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a dancer, man. <laughs> I, I am an aspiring dancer. Uh -huh. That's right. Tell me about that. <laughs> uh, so, so Elizabeth and uh, I have to single them out. Miguel Lopez conspired against me. <laughs> Uh, to nominate me for uh, the Montgomery County YMCA's annual fundraiser, Dancing with the Stars. And the reason I say they conspired against me is because Elizabeth knows that I do not enjoy dancing. Uh, I only dance at weddings. Uh, I, I, I think I use all of my talent and all of my ability at our wedding to learn a choreographed dance that she wanted to do. Uh, and I emptied my tank for, for eternity. And so I'm, at, I'm, I'm working on refilling it now. But... How is he doing, by the way? <laughs> He's doing so good. He's doing so good. I'm doing good. better than I expected, actually. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so Dancing with the Stars, it is also a fundraiser, and it's benefiting the YMCA. And uh, it's really actually kind of cool that um, when I was nominated, first off, I was not happy that I was nominated uh, because I had, had kind of a tough week. This is a couple uh, several weeks ago. A tough week. Beginning of the year, you know, I'm in sales, and so we've got just, it's, it's you know, a really tall hill to climb. And so Elizabeth calls me at uh, the end of the week and says, hey, um, you know, Miguel and I, we talked, and um, we're going to nominate you for Dancing with the Stars, and so you're going to dance. And so, uh, you know, it's a fundraising campaign, but also I have to learn how to dance. 
And I did not have the best reaction. I had a very raw and um, candid reaction. Uh, but I'm glad I was only on the phone with her. But anyway, I, you know, I, I wised up over the weekend and that Monday. I said, like, I'm on it. I'm, what was your first let's response? Do let's do it. I'm My first response, me. you know, I was on the phone. I was like, oh, um, okay. You're, you're a nice guy. Because <laughs> that's, that's not bad at all. So don't feel bad about that. But I know who's on the other line, and she's ex- she has expectations for every question that she asks. She has expectations of the correct answer, so I knew that wasn't the correct answer. Uh, but yeah, I wised up, you know, over the weekend and uh, that Monday. I said, "Look, I'm I'm all in." But I told Elizabeth, I said, "You got to help me because she she has a, a, a background in dance, yeah. and so she's got the rhythm and, and the moves and everything." So I said, "Look, you've got to learn this dance because I'm going to practice. I, and I'm going to practice. I'm going to practice. I'm going to practice." Because I'm not going out there in front of several hundred people, you know, at this gala and looking like a fool. Hmm. Um, so, so my competitive side has really come out uh, for sure. Uh, so that's this, that's been a lot of fun. And but you played college baseball, right? I did. Yeah, 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 I did. Which doesn't help one bit. Okay, no. <laughs> it doesn't help one bit. Not not dancing. You're well, familiar with competition, though. I am familiar with competition. Yeah. Yes, I okay. I really enjoy competition. And so so the dancing side was was really the challenge for me because that's unnatural to me. What really excites me is, is actually the fundraising part and doing it for the YMCA. Um, I so I so I grew up going to the YMCA in, in Goldsboro, North Carolina. So I like I enjoyed it, and I never really thought about the the impact the YMCA had on me until I sat down and, and was going through um, you know this whole packet. And I was thinking back to when I went to the YMCA when I was a kid. I was like, dude, I like the YMCA. Really, I really like the YMCA. I really believe in their and their mission and the, and the purpose and why they exist. And so that just motivated me even more. Uh, and so, of course, you know, being in sales, being an entrepreneur, going out and fundraising, asking people for money, that's the easy side of it. So, you know, I, I have a two-pronged approach, uh, and, and, and all the dancers do. You have to learn to dance, uh, but then also we, we go and we fundraise. And that's one of the biggest fundraisers for Montgomery County YMCA each year is, is this campaign. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, good, good work to both of you guys. Thank you. Um, it, it's easy to say, yeah, we'll do some good when we make it big. It's real hard to do good and focus on others when you're building a business. Mm-hmm. And you guys are building a business. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys have been in, in business how long? Like, how long since you took the leap of faith and left, left your job? So, uh, so right three years. Almost, yeah. It'll yeah. be three years in May. So and it's been right there. a bed of roses, peachy. Oh <laughs> yeah, no problems ever. Just every day is a beautiful, yeah. great yeah. day. People tell me yes every question I ask. I mean, it's seamless. It's perfect. Zero challenges. No, no, no challenges at all. Yeah. We've just got <laughs> millions of dollars in the bank. I mean, it's just unbelievable how easy it's. Okay, been. now let's hear some truth. <laughs> it has been. Yeah. What is it? How? Has it grown your guys' relationship and has it caused you guys' challenge that, you, that you've had to grow through? It's, it, has challenged, it challenges us mm-hmm. every day. And I don't say like challenge like, okay, we just have to go do this and we do it with our eyes closed. Like we literally have to go and we have to figure things out and we have to figure them out together. And it does challenge our, our relationship. It challenges us you know, as, as individuals, uh, you know, how we are growing ourselves. But then also, yeah, it does challenge our relationship. Um, but yeah, you know, some obstacles along the way, I mean, even just in the first year we had, we had a very early success, which was nice. We certainly didn't make a ton of money. We had an early success to kind of, kind of showed us from AZ. Okay. Look, it can be done. 
and it's you know it's not smoke and mirrors or anything like that. Then it took a lot of months after that to really create any more revenue mm-hmm. for the business, and that was a challenge. Um, and the, the, I think the nice thing is, and I think you know, a lot of it was our preparation, but then also relying on our faith in that time. We never questioned that we weren't going to be successful. We never questioned that we weren't on the right path. We just had to be honest with ourselves and say, okay, well, are we working on the right things? Are we focusing on the right things? And so, yeah, the the, the rest of 2016 was pretty challenging. In early 2017, um, you know, it was pretty challenging. But then, you know, I think we had we figured things out. Um, and then, uh, you know, mid 2017, we really really started to take off. And, you know, I mean, Elizabeth is the driver of the company. I mean, she's, she's the face of the company. She's out there doing it every single day. She's a trailblazer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, she's relentless, you know? And so it's, uh, I just, I, I tell people, you know, I just try to keep up with her, you know? Um, so talk a little bit more about, you know, some of the things that you had to overcome, you know, along the way. So it's a, a lot of things. Um, I was actually just telling somebody the other day when I first started and I was, you know, talking to people about their homes and making offers and stuff, I'd get off the phone and I would just cry. I mean, just bawl my eyes out crying because it was so uncomfortable. And I, I just, the negotiating was not something that I had done a lot of. I mean, I guess looking back, you negotiate with the students in school all the time, right? But it was different. It was very different. And I really struggled with that and, and, one of those nights when I was crying to Andy about how terrible it was to make these phone calls. I mean, everything. The phone weighed at 6,000 pounds. It was so hard to pick up the phone and do all that. And I found a quote by Tim Ferriss that said that a person's success can be determined by the number of uncomfortable conversations he or she is willing to have. And that quote has stuck with me ever since. And even just the other day, I was talking to Andy about something and I was going to be put in a situation that was really uncomfortable for me and I wanted to bail. Like I wanted to not go. And so I told him all the things and all, you know, this, I think this is what I just don't think I should go and blah, blah, blah. And he said, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear your point. And then he like starts talking about something else. And I was like, what's your opinion? Like, hold on. I know you've got one, right? And he's like, do you really want to hear it? And I was like, mm, probably not. You can just not tell me. <laughs> and he said, does it make you uncomfortable? And I said, yes. And he said, well, then you need to go do it. Like, you need to go do what is going to make you not uncomfortable. I wasn't put in any sort of dangerous situation, right? We're not talking about anything bad here. We're just talking about an uncomfortable mm-hmm. spot. And he said, you got to go do it. And by golly, I did. And I survived. And I lived to tell about it. And everything was fine. Can but... You- can you give me, give us a few details? You don't have to tell us exactly what it was, but what was it that was uncomfortable that she had to... So we had an issue with a deal, basically. And so there was just a lot of um, contention and back and forth and trying to come up with a resolution, right? Well, in a completely separate situation, I was going to get together with somebody and that person works with some of these people that we were in contention with. And I was nervous that we were all going to basically be in the same room together. And while I work really hard on my relationships when they're good and when they're bad, right? And I always try and be respectful and I always try and be kind. And, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the one to yell and scream and say all kinds of crazy stuff. So I knew that everything that I had done and the way I'd handled everything had been professional, right? You can't, you can't fault me for any of that type of behavior, but 
being with those people during this time of just discomfort would have been uncomfortable. And there was no guarantee that these people were going to be there or not be there, but it was just in my brain, right? Your brain immediately goes to, you're going to have some sort of uncomfortable confrontation in front of all these people and it's going to be terrible, right? Because you just don't know. You don't know how other people are going to be. You don't know what they're going to say. And um, anyways, I just, I just wanted to avoid it altogether mm. and reschedule or something. And um, the funny thing is looking back on it, I had, me and this person I was meeting with had rescheduled a couple of times. And if it had happened any sooner, then this other situation would not have occurred yet so me being with her would not have been uncomfortable mm -hmm. but then it got and I just know I mean I know that that's how God works and sometimes we have to face these assignments that we're given to grow ourselves and who we are and you know you're you have to it's important to focus on how you behave even when things are uncomfortable and sometimes you are in front of somebody and it's uncomfortable and that's okay and so it's not fun to go into those things but when you when you do it and, and you do it with some grace and you give grace to others, like it's okay. So yeah. anyways, well, speaking of quotes, you made me think of one. Okay. Um, and, and it's that quote that I heard from Tim Ferriss at Tim Ferriss. He has some good quotes, He's so good. Uh, but this one's from Anise, Anise Nen, and it says life expands and contracts in proportion to one's courage. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that, I thought, man, that is so true. Yeah, that's, that's so awesome. true. That's, that's a, a really great quote. Yeah. So what do you do when you're getting ready to face a situation like this? How do you prepare? Um, a lot of prayer, mm -hmm. a lot of deep breaths. Um, I have a like four sentence mantra that I say every day. Do um, you care to share that? Sure. Um, I say, actually I haven't said it yet today because I had to be somewhere at seven in the morning right. and I didn't do my normal morning <laughs> stuff. <laughs> well, now you're right here. You here we go. I get to do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I say thank you, God, for everything that you have given me. I am ready to receive abundance. I pray for the highest good for all, and please work through me. And I say that over and over again, and sometimes I take deep breaths with every one of those sentences, and I really try and focus my mind when I'm saying those things, which is hard because I'm I'm really good and quick to to go and imagine something else over here. And so then I'll start over and I'm like, okay, I have to, I have to try again. So anyways, um, that's been my awesome. thing. And so awesome. thanks. Great mantra. Top that bro. <laughs> I just try to keep up. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> it so it, it's things like that. And I, um, you know, I, I, I feel very, very grateful. I've been able to reach out to people when I, you know, when, when things are rough, I, can you please pray for me? I just need some, mm -hmm. I need some prayers. I need some encouragement. And people like Eddie Skinner are so quick to send me Bible verses or send me something. And, um, I know this sounds silly, but I believe that God uses all kinds of vehicles for us. I'll, I will get on Pinterest a lot when I need some encouragement because there are, I guess, boards or something that I follow or just that come up because I, constantly share them that are quotes or think like like encouraging statements or or bible verses or whatever and so i'll like save them on my phone and mm. now i've got this folder and i'll like read through and say things out loud because i'm i'm trying to work on my confidence i'm trying to work on uh, continuing to be abundant in all things right in and even when things are rough like how do I, how can i see the abundance in this and excuse me i need those things to remind me because it's real easy to forget. Yeah. Um, 
And entrepreneurship is a very lonely thing. Like I am just me, you know, I don't have other people around me all day, every day that are dealing with the same issues that I am. And so it's nice to be able to reach out to others and, um, anyways, well, going, well, going back to the mantra, that has been something that almost simultaneous to us having this business, we have really honed in on what our morning routine is. How do we start our day? Do we do we just wake up and grab a, grab our stuff and out the door and we just figure it out on the way? Or do we wake up ahead of time? Do we wake up proactively and are we going about our, our day purposely? Because, you know, you don't know where the day is going to end up taking you. Something unexpectedly can happen. But we, so anyway, we read um, The Morning Miracle, which it's a phenomenal book. And, and I, I heard it on a podcast. I was like, I mean, okay, come on. It can't be that, you know, like a silver bullet, you know, whatever. And I read it and it, it really does, it catalyzes a lot of, if you want to be successful, if you want to get everything, you know, aimed in the right direction, first thing in the morning or whenever your day starts, uh, it really kind of helps to catalyze that <clears throat> and or crystallize that. And so we've done, I think we've done a really good job of doing that. Um, of, I mean, we wake up, Elizabeth is not a morning person by, by nature. And I used to not be, but I certainly am now. And so we try to wake up earlier than most. Uh, and we each have a little bit of our own routine that we do. But then we, we usually come back together. Of course, not this morning, but we come back together. We take our dog for a walk. And that's the last thing that we do really before we go out and about on a day, whether I go and I travel or whether, you know, she's, you know, in front of, you know, customers or clients or whatever, you know, with, with their properties. Uh, and so we spend that, you know, two or three hours every single morning saying, look, this is, this is what we woke up to do. This is, you know, we're, we're meant to do this. Uh, whatever comes along on the way, we at least know our purpose and mm-hmm. we know what our principles are as well, our personal principles. And so if there's something that's thrown at us, we always know that we, we, we started this day prepared anyway. So regardless of what's going to come our way, we'll be prepared for it. That's awesome. I've heard you guys mention abundance a couple times yeah, and um, learning and, and staying open. And so t- talk a little bit about that, like having an abundance mindset and where that comes from. Yeah, for you guys. That, that is definitely a mindset. I did not come by that naturally. Uh, I used to think that, you know, money is scarce and opportunities are scarce and, and everything is scarce. You know, it's literally having the scarcity mindset. And it's been a, it's been a number of books and people and podcasts that we've read. And of course, you know, you know, Elizabeth is, is you know, the, the best life partner for me, you know, that I could ever, ever imagine. And so, so a couple books that really talk, talk a lot about it. First off, the um, seven, seven habits of highly effective people talk about that. Uh, Tim Ferriss's books and Tim Ferriss' podcast just kind of talks about that in general. But also the Go Giver, the Go Giver series, hmm. talks about you know people who are, you you're wanting to do good things. You're you know it's about they, they talk about money. They talk about growing their wealth. They also talk about being abundant, being generous while doing it. You don't have to take from people in order to have for yourself. Uh, and so when it was just kind of putting all those things together, it really was a big mindset change for especially for me. And say, and, and I think also it's, it's who you surround your people with, surround yourself with. You know, if you want to surround yourself with people that you know think the world's out to get them, think the world is a bad place, and that everything is scarce, then you're going to believe it, and you're going to surround, you're going to continue to attract that energy. But if you do the inverse of that, if you if you would try to 
surround yourself with people that are generous and that think that the world is abundant and and want to try and create more opportunities and say, look, that's the only thing that we can focus on is create more. Don't mm-hmm. worry about what's being taken from you because you need to focus on creating more. And so that's, man, that has been, it's been a big, big life change for us. Life change for me and mindset change for sure. Yeah, I'm, and I'm always working on, I'm always working on trying to become more abundant and finding more abundant people and people that aren't thinking abundantly, just trying to help them to if they, if they want. You know? Do you guys think you guys are, would you classify yourself as kind of lifelong learners? Oh, for, for sure. sure. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. We're always yeah. trying to read and listen and we love Audible um, podcasts, all that kind of stuff. I love going to sit on the beach and read books for three days. It's <laughs> my favorite. Um, no, but I mean, we we definitely do, yeah. and, and we weren't always like that um, at all. But I think when we started reading, we, we we gained so much insight and energy and ideas and conversation from those things that it just is so like motivating for us mm-hmm. to just keep going and keep doing that and keep trying to learn and have these discussions and try and be better. And it's for sure lifelong. I mean, you know, even when I start my day with, with the mantra and these things, like sometimes a couple hours later, I need to do it again, you know, and I need to do it again. And, and sometimes it's still becoming something that I'm making a habit out of. And I think that that's the, those are things that you learn along the way and you have to turn them into habits. And I don't think you can, if you don't keep consuming information that supports these abundance mentalities and and things like that that we do every day to try and be intentional and do the right thing yeah i think a lot of people have great hearts and they want to give but they don't replenish themselves and eventually they give 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 go 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 without replenishing themselves and Mm -hmm. and helping stoke their fire Mm -hmm. so is that important for you guys and how do you do that yeah well going back to what we do every morning um, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a selfish thing, but I don't, I don't talk to anyone. I'm not on social media. I'm not returning phone calls. I'm not, you know, not checking my email. We literally, we wake up, we have our own little morning routines. I go to the gym. I work out. I have my own little kind of, you know, deep breathing meditation practice that I just focus on, you know, myself at that point, because I do, I want to focus on myself. I want to replenish myself because I want to be able to be the best person for whoever I come into contact with the rest of the day. And yeah, and, and I know my limits. I know I have limits. And so if I don't do that to start off the day, then I'm going to want to try and do that somewhere along the, along, you know, in the, uh, somewhere along in the day. And I don't think that's fair. That's not fair to the job that I'm trying to do. That's not fair to our company. It's not fair to the people that I interact with. And so for me, yeah, the, the, the kind of the stoking my own fire or, or replenishing my energy comes every single morning. Well, I think the other thing, too, is we've kind of made Sunday as our family day. Mm-hmm. So we really try and avoid at all costs doing any sort of work or things like that on Sundays. Or if we are going to do something, we're sitting on the couch and doing it together or whatever. We're really trying to be um, intentional about having that time. And I think that's really important because there were there have been times when we just go and we go every day because we're trying to do so many things that there's just not enough time and um, you get burnt out mm-hmm. really quickly and then you, and you crash. And for me, like I'll get sick and then I'm, then I'm really out. I can't do anything. So we've been trying to be better about taking a day. And I think Sundays are a perfectly acceptable day to say, yeah. I'm not working mm-hmm. and, um, just try and be together and be with Cooper and do something that we like to do. Yeah. So, yeah. 
so tell me, I want to ask you guys about your podcast, how, you know, meeting these people in the community, if you guys, have, you guys have some really uh, good people on your podcast, but I'd like you to share maybe one or two stories about some of the unique people that you've met and how they've impacted your life and maybe some stories that have really touched you guys. And because yeah. here's, here's what I think. I think, I think when we do things for others, then we open ourselves up to be to be uh, impacted and, and blessed and grown, and we expand when we help others. Do you guys find that that's the case? And do you have examples of that? Yeah, every so so sometimes the pod, admittedly the podcast is a labor of love because I, I end up doing the editing, and so there's there are nights where I'm trying we we release every Wednesday, and so Monday Tuesday I'm trying to get stuff done. You know, sometimes I'm traveling for work and trying to do editing, trying to you know get it in while I can and you know to meet that set deadline that we've set upon ourselves. And so it can be kind of a, a labor of love. And so when we have a guest and I, I go and I do the research as well, I you know figure out you know what have they done, what are what are some great things that we want to talk about, but also unique things. You know, it's not just a a bio of them. Uh, you know, it's it's really kind of digging into some some unique you know unique topics that they can reveal and, and our listeners can can learn about. And there are sometimes where I was like, man, this is this is a lot, and it, it doesn't make money for us, and that's fine. It's a passion project, and we chose that. Uh, but then every single, and, I, and I'm not lying, I kid you not. After every single podcast recording that we've had, I'm done with it. Uh, after literally after we get done talking, I'm like, man, that was amazing. That was cool. That was that was so great. That was so great. And so, one of the ones that really sticks out in my mind, uh, we had the opportunity to meet uh, Jackie Battle, uh, former NFL running back for a number of teams, the Titans, the Chiefs. uh, Played eight years in the NFL, really against the odds. uh, And his wife Christine, and they're now entrepreneurs. Uh, They live here in the Houston area. They're they're Houstonians. And we didn't really know that much about them. I knew Jackie was a former NFL guy, and, and that's you know pretty much the, the majority of what I knew about him before we you know you know sat down and, and recorded. And it was a little bit off the cuff of, of kind of what we ended up talking about. And that was one of the funnest podcasts that we have done um, because we realized how full of joy and abundance and just amazing goodness that they that they have, hmm. and the great story that they have as well. Uh, and so we actually, we, we, we recorded it on location. We went to their house that, you know, small children that, you know, they, you know, have to you know, keep care of. And so they couldn't come over to our house here in the woodlands. And so Elizabeth and I, we were both out and about that day. And so we drove separately and I hate to admit this, but Elizabeth and I, after the podcast, we were texting while we were driving of all things. And we were, we were having the same conversation. We're like, Oh my God, that was so fun. They're amazing. I'm I'm so so glad we were able to put this together. We're so glad that we met these people, um, and so that that's a podcast that really jumps out to me. That uh, just the feeling that me individually I got after we recorded it was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Well, they're wonderful people, and yeah. they have beautiful hearts. And Jackie's just got some very neat. Um, mindset things and decisions that he made when he was in the NFL that have 100% made him mm-hmm. like so successful and how he was able to stay in there for so long. And it's just so interesting because again, you, you, 
see somebody, oh, well, he was in the NFL. He must have had it made, and he did everything, and you don't realize how hard he worked Jeez. to to stay in and to be successful and all the things that he took advantage of that the NFL provides in additional education and stuff like that so he could be prepared for whenever he does retire. I mean, just incredible, and it was very inspirational, and they're just good, good people. So it's it's been really fun to... Again, somebody that's willing to be vulnerable and share their stories and how they've come out of things. Like, Barry Blanton stands out for me. Like, when he got his cancer diagnosis, he decided to make it something beautiful and to help and to give back. And he is part of why Light the Night is here in the woodlands. And it's just amazing how people turn these seemingly terrible things into beautiful, life-changing, impactful events or or lessons or whatever and I just love that and these people are willing to share those things so Barry's been one of my my favorite as well he's he was great it was just it's just nice to hear what how people turn something around in their lives yeah the fight in the human spirit is really remarkable Mm -hmm. it is so we'll put a link to um your guys's charity uh efforts okay in the podcast, and we'll also link to those two podcasts in your guys' show. Okay, thanks. Um, is there is there anything else you guys want to talk about? You know, I, I would like um, for you to give a little advice to people who are thinking about getting into um, entrepreneurship. You know, what do they need to know? What do they need to know? I mean, it's not that much. I know it's not that much. But they, sure. they, yeah, need yeah. To, they need to take the Bell Entrepreneurship class. Yeah. yeah. But seriously, okay, because I was just talking to somebody the other day who wants to get into real estate investing. Uh-huh. And it was a girl and her mom. And I've been networking with the girl for a while. And anyways, we met with her mom. And her mom has wanted to be an investor for 20 years mm. and has never done it because she was scared. And she didn't know where to get started. And so I encouraged her, like, it's worth it to get your LLC set up and find a CPA and find a bookkeeper and determine what money you're going to use to buy these rental properties. Um, get all those ducks in a row so that when you do have an opportunity to look at a deal, you're ready to pull the trigger if you want to. Mm-hmm. And now you've got people around you that will help guide you through as you're evaluating this deal. And instead of the other way around, oh, I found a deal. Oh, oh, dang, I need an LLC and I need a CPA and I need, you know, money. Like what, you know, anyways. And so the Vell business startup class absolutely does that. You've got the financial side of it and the legal side of it and all these different aspects that these people need to think about before they're starting a business. And that's, those are where all the question marks come in. Like you can have a great idea, but until you're able to take those first steps and being a legitimate business and knowing how to do the finances, like, you can't, you're scared, you're trapped, you're, you're trapped in your own brain of how do I get this going? So I, I mean that I really think that it's important to, to put all those puzzle pieces together first. And then now you've got a backing and now you're ready to go and you can get out in the community and do your business. Yeah. In my experience of talking to people who want to start businesses and they've got ideas and they've thought about it there, you know, all throughout growing up, but, but it seems like many people are on the edge of doing something mm-hmm. and they're waiting for the perfect conditions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the perfect timing. And when they have all their ducks in a row mm-hmm. and I encourage people to just get started, That's start right. somewhere. You don't have to invest $10,000. No, absolutely you can invest a hundred dollars and get a website up or get your LLC established or 
get your DBA filed because mm-hmm. the reality is this: the perfect conditions they they don't exist. No, they yeah. don't. And there's there's a, to that point. There's a podcast or a book or, or something I was listening to or reading, and talking about the, the perfect conditions. You know, oh, I'll do it when I get this, or oh, I'll do it when I get this. You think about owning your own business and being an entrepreneur as if you're going on a road trip. When you when you turn out you know your street, if all the lights aren't green, do you just stop? Like I'm I'm not going to go anywhere until all the lights are green. No, you're going to keep going. You're going to you're going to get to a red light. And you're going to have to make a U-turn. And I mean that is that that's 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 an entrepreneur. That's being a business owner. And I think that's just on a, on a higher level, uh, not just tactics and strategies, but I think that's also following what you're passionate about. Uh, and, I, and not to be incredibly cliche, but if you're if you're being an entrepreneur, in my opinion, if you're being an entrepreneur just for the money. I think you're in the wrong you're in, you're in the wrong business. Just go get a high paying job, because you're as you mentioned, Elizabeth. It can be a lonely road. You're going to face challenges that maybe no one else can relate to. Um, you're you're going to have to figure out things on your own, and but you're also going to have to figure out how to surround yourself with people that really do want to help you and and really um, understand your character. Uh, and so I think if you don't have that passion, if you don't have that. That, that calling or something that is, is greater than you. If, yeah. you, you. if you're doing it because you want to create a greater legacy for the next generation, that's something that's greater than you. Okay, then, then we're talking about what you're going to be passionate about. Whatever you do might be a vehicle for it. But if you don't have that, in my opinion, for the first couple challenges that you come across, like, oh, man, I guess, I guess it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. And it's just on to the next thing. And then you end up just bouncing around to a bunch of different things. Yeah. There is a, uh, there's something that I heard once and, um, it was somebody who said, uh, you know, there's no hurt, there's no hitches on a hearse and, and hearses are the vehicles that carry your yeah. coffin to the yeah. grave and you really can't take anything with you. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally agree with you that you got to be doing it, it for something bigger than yourself. You yeah. gotta, you gotta have a passion. You gotta have a calling, you know, um, people don't want to help somebody who's in it for themselves. Yeah. People want to help people who are making this place better mm-hmm. and who are concerned about others. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a mission for not only you but other people. Yeah. So you guys are you guys are doing really good stuff. I applaud you guys. You're, you're living on mission and you're doing things that are bigger than yourself. And, and I, I'm thankful because I've gotten to be a part of it and uh, it's benefited me. So anything else you want to leave? Oh, we're so grateful. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Our mission for this podcast is to bring you stories about veterans, entrepreneurs, and leaders who are doing fascinating things with their lives. Our hope is to inspire you because we believe that inspired individuals will change lives, both theirs and others for the good. Bell Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we're asking for your support. There are two ways to do that. One, by getting involved with our mission, and two, by contributing financially. Please visit vellinstitute.org, that's V-E-L institute.org, to help us make an impact.